Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Right? This is the day the church was born. And actually, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church takes place this day. And it's prophesied by John the Baptist in Matthew 3 in verse 11, where he said, Indeed, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. But he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoe I'm not worthy to carry. And he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So a lot of times what we think as Christians, man, I wish I could have been here 2,000 years ago to be a part of Jesus' ministry. And we fail to realize Jesus still has a ministry. Right? Jesus has a present-day ministry that has three parts. There are three things Jesus is doing today. Right? The Bible tells us in Hebrews that he ever lives to make intercession for you. He's praying for you right now. Number two, Jesus said, I will build my church. And he is building the church today. And number three, Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. That is part of what Jesus is doing today. Now, you and I, we're part of the church. And Jesus is the head of the church. And anything Jesus is doing, we want to get in on, right? We want to be a part of everything that Jesus is doing in the earth. So after Jesus' resurrection, he appears to his disciples and he breathes on them. And he says, this is in, in John chapter 20, he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now I want to ask a simple question. When he said that, did they receive? Yes, they did. They received. And the Holy Spirit came and was on the inside of them. Right? But yet in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is with the disciples for 40 days. The Bible says he's speaking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And he said to them that they should not depart. He said he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you've heard from me. Now that phrase promise of the father, it comes up again in the next chapter. And he explains it right here. Wait for the promise of the Father, for John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost not many days hence or not many days from now. So the promise of the Father is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus is telling his disciples who he's already breathed on and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He's telling them, hey, you guys need to wait because something more is coming. Right now, the Holy Spirit is in you. But what's coming, you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, literally immersed in the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus tells the purpose of this. In verse 8, he said, but you shall receive power. Literally dunamis. We get our word dynamite from this word. After that, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, all Judea, and in Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, the purpose of this baptism of the Holy Spirit is to give you power to be a witness. And just look at Peter. Peter, before he's, he's hiding, he, he renounces Jesus, actually calls down curses on himself, saying, I don't even know who he is. But after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he stands up in front of thousands of people and preaches a fiery sermon and says, you're the ones who crucified the Lord of glory. So the day of Pentecost comes. They're all in one place in one accord. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared unto them diverse or divided tongues 
as of fire that sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And Peter, as people run together and they're hearing and seeing what's taking place, they, they, they say, what's going on? And this is what Peter said. He said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He said that in the last days. Now, somebody asked me recently, are we in the last days? Absolutely. Because the last days began on the day of Pentecost. He says, it'll come to pass in the last days that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. This is not just something for that day, 2,000 years ago. This is something for us today. And Peter said, this is that that Joel prophesied. And as Peter preaches his sermon, the people said, what do we need to do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise, what promise? The promise of the Father, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's unto you, to your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord your God shall call. First of all, notice it says to repent and let every one of you be baptized. Repent and be baptized. 27 times in the New Testament, we find water baptism. And every time it is subsequent to repentance. Repentance and then water baptism. Not water baptism and then repentance. If you, were repent, if you had water baptism before you repented, it was a dedication. Somebody dedicated you, right? And that's good. But what you need to do now that you've repented is you need to follow the New Testament pattern and you need to be water baptized. And we're having a baptism service in just a couple of weeks. And he says, and you'll receive the gift. Everybody say gift. You see, you don't earn the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift just like salvation is a gift. You didn't get really good and get all the sin out of your life and get perfect and then God saved you. Salvation was a gift. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is a gift for the promise, the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's to you, to your children, to all who are afar off. We are those who were afar off. It is for us today. It is for the last days, which began then and are still continuing until Jesus comes. In the book of Jude, Jude says to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The faith, what Christians believe, what God does, what Christianity is, was given how many times? Once. For how many? For all. For all. What God did then, God is doing today. What you find in the book of Acts and Romans and Corinthians, that's what the church is to look like today. Right? But now this, notice, Jesus breathed on them, said, receive the Holy Spirit. They received but he told them, wait, because you still need more. There is going to be a second experience with the Holy Spirit, and it's going to endue you with power. In Luke chapter 13, Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Ask. It's not something that is automatic. It is something that we, the Bible tells us we need to ask for. In, in Acts chapter 8, we, we see the New Testament pattern. We see the New Testament church working. And they send Philip down to the city of Samaria. 
And the Bible says he preaches Christ to them. And the people with one accord give heed, seeing the things which Philip, hearing the things which Philip spoke, and hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Unclean spirits cried out with a loud voice. Many of them that were possessed, but by men that were possessed with them, they were taken with the palsy, that were lame, were healed. There was great joy in that city. But then verse 12, listen carefully. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they believe Philip as he's preaching the gospel and they're water baptized. Now in Mark 16, Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. These people are saved. These people are on their way to heaven. These people are forgiven. They're a part of the kingdom of God. They're a part of the family of God. But notice verse 14. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now listen to this next verse. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them or any of them. Were they saved? They believed they were baptized, but the Holy Spirit had fallen upon how many of them? None. None. And the apostles were not surprised. When they heard that they believed and were baptized, they sent Peter and John to pray for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. And when they laid their hands on them, the Bible says, they received the Holy Spirit. Again, it is subsequent to salvation. The same thing happens in Acts chapter 19. And in here, we find Paul, he comes to Ephesus and he finds some disciples. And he said to them, listen to this, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? When? Since you believed. At salvation, it is automatic. You don't even need to know the Holy Ghost exists. If you receive Jesus, he's going to come on the inside of you and he's going to live in you. He's there. That's not what this is about. This is about a baptism. You know, there's a difference between taking a glass of water and having a drink and going swimming. And baptism literally means to be immersed in. So what Jesus is talking about is about your being immersed, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. And he says, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? That's a great question. Have you? And they said, we haven't even heard that there be a Holy Spirit. So he says, how were you baptized? Now, when you get water baptized, you ought to hear that there's a Holy Spirit, right? Because you're going to get baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit. So he said, man, you should have at least heard that the Holy Spirit exists. And so he says, how were you baptized? And they said, well, into John's baptism. He explains. He says, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, telling people believe on Jesus when he comes. And when they heard this, the Bible says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Paul laid his hands on them and the Holy Ghost came upon them and they spoke with tongues and they prophesied. So first they believed, they're water baptized, but then Paul lays hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, in the New Testament, the majority of the time, the baptism of the Holy Ghost takes place subsequent to salvation. Four of the five times that it's mentioned. There's one exception in Acts chapter 10. The first times the Gentiles hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit falls right when they get saved. And 
the Bible says they heard them speaking with tongues and prophesying. So they knew what had happened, right? So I want to talk to you for a minute about an issue that is controversial in Christian circles, at least in America, right? Now, you go to the rest of the world, this is not controversial, but it's controversial in America, and it's the subject of speaking with other tongues. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 14, it says this, but if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive or unfruitful. So what happens is that, you, you, I think you know this, but 99% of your problems are in between your ears. It's your brain, it's your mind, all right? So what God does is he said, look, we gotta, we gotta somehow, we gotta bypass this thing. And what God does is he has a Holy Ghost bypass operation, right? And he bypasses your brain. And what the Bible says here is when you speak in tongues, it's not your head praying. Your head doesn't have an idea what's going on. It says your spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit in you, prays. So this is, this is taking your mind out of the picture. And, and, you know, so often we pray prayers that are pretty selfish. You know, we pray prayers like, Lord, bless me, my wife, our son, his wife, us four, no more, Acts 2, 4. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're praying pretty selfish, simple prayers. But when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you never pray a selfish prayer. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you can pray about things you don't even know about. It's not your head praying. It's your spirit with the help of the Holy Spirit praying, bypassing your head. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 2, it says that he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. Somebody says, why should I pray in tongues? Well, the first reason is this, because you're talking to God, right? Now, we call that prayer, right? How many know prayer is good? And not only is this just prayer, this is prayer with the Holy Spirit helping you pray, right? Now, here's what, what a lot of us don't understand. This, this was a big issue for me. When it came to speaking in tongues, I thought that God spoke in tongues or that he made you speak in tongues, right? So I remember I get prayed for and I've got my hand. They told me to lift your hands, lift my hands. And they said, you know, open your mouth. And I'm opening my mouth. And I'm waiting. And we said, what are you waiting for? I'm waiting for God. I'm waiting for God to grab my tongue, you know, start speaking. You say, what happened? Well, about 10 or 15 minutes, maybe even more passed. You say, what happened? My mouth got real dry. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like waiting for God, all right? Because I thought that God was going to speak. But here's what I did not understand, right? Whenever there's supernatural, listen carefully, there is a part that is the human part that you do by faith, and then God does the supernatural part. God says to Moses, extend your rod over the sea. How many of you could have done that? As an act of faith, he extends his rod. God opens the sea. Moses does the natural. God does the supernatural. Jesus said, lay hands on the sick. Well, we can do that. And then God makes them recover. How many of you know you could not heal a mosquito with a bent wing? All right. But yet you do the natural part. God does the supernatural part. Jesus is walking on the water and he says to Peter, come. And Peter gets out of the boat and starts to walk on the water. You say, wow, Peter performed a miracle. No, he didn't. Almost everybody here walks every day. 
All he did was walk. God got underneath so he didn't sink. Peter did something natural. God did something supernatural. Right? And every time you find something supernatural in the Bible, it's always the person does something natural and God does something supernatural. We do something by faith and God steps in and responds. So it says in Acts 2, 4 that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues, right? As the Spirit gave them utterance. I've got the, a, a 20th century New Testament translation here. It says they began to speak with strange tongues as the Spirit prompted their utterance. In other words, the believers had a prompting or an urge to speak. And when they began to speak, then God, the Holy Spirit, gave them the utterance. They had to follow that prompting or that urge. It says they began to speak. I thought God was going to speak. But the Bible says they began to speak. And then in Acts 10, it said, heard them speak. Not God speak. It heard, they heard them speak. Acts 19, and they spoke with tongues. Not the Holy Spirit spoke with tongues. They spoke with tongues. Right? And again, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it talks about he that speaks. He that speaks. You're talking about speaking in other tongues. It's not God that speaks. You speak as you're prompted or have the urge of the Holy Spirit. Right? So there's a natural part and there is a supernatural part. Now, in 1 Corinthians 14, in verse 4, it says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Now, the word ed- we're in an edifice. Right? I remember 10 years ago that this built, first of all, we laid the, the foundations and then they began to put steel and they, 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 they wrapped this thing up and put it all together. It's an edifice is something that's built up. Right? And when you pray in tongues, it says you build yourself up. Right? The, the actual word there to edify can be translated in English today as to charge. It's like if you have a dead bat, how many of you have ever had this? You go out to your car, a cold, cold winter morning, you stick that key in the ignition, and it goes tick, 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 tick. Right? You know what you need? You need to have your battery charged. You get a charger over there, you hook it up, and that charger puts a charge energy inside that battery. Now, literally, when you pray in tongues, it's like you're getting hooked up to a battery charger. And it builds your spirit up. In in, uh, Jude, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost or praying in other tongues. It builds you up in your faith. Now, somebody says it sounds selfish to me. Well, look, if I'm broke and you need money, I can't help you. But if I've got money, I can help you. Spiritually, if you're broke and I'm not edified, I'm broke, I can't help you. But if I'm edified, if I'm built up, I can help you. Right? So really, it's not a matter of being selfish. It's a matter of being in a place where you can help others. Again, in Jude, it says, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourself in the love of God. Did you catch that? Praying in the Holy Ghost or in other tongues, keeping yourself in the love of God. See, what's that all about? I was just reading this week, studying for this message. And it came up, the subject came up again and again, people talking about how once they begin to speak in tongues, they got control of their anger. Right? And they were able to forgive. It keep, how many of you know the love of God is always forgiving? 
right? You, you, the, the, you get charged up spiritually, and it will keep you in the love of God. You'll be able to do that. You'll be able to forgive, be able to get control over your anger. And in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. P.T. Nelson, the great uh, Bible scholar, he actually interprets that, cannot be uttered with articulate speech. He's talking about praying in tongues. It says when you pray in tongues, you pray according to the will of God. You can pray about situations that are coming up in your life, in your family, that you don't even know about. But the Spirit of God knows. And again, in Isaiah chapter 28, Paul pulls this out and puts it into 1 Corinthians 14. He says, this is talking about speaking in tongues. And it says, for with stammering lips in another tongue, I will speak to this people. And to whom he says, this is the rest with which you will cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. You know, sometimes the person will go to a doctor and the doctor just says, you need rest. Right? You are burned out. The Bible says that speaking in tongues, it is the rest. It is the refreshing. You know, you may feel like you are just at the end of your rope spiritually, but when you pray in tongues, it refreshes you. It builds you up, all right? It causes the weary to rest and to be refreshed so you can mount up on wings like eagles, all right? Now, in 1980, Jeannie and I were living in Mexico. I'm going to tell you a story. This is my favorite Pentecost story. I only get to tell it once a year, all right? You say, I heard it before. Me too, but I want to hear it again, so just get ready. So, so we're living in Mexico, and Pastor Samuel Noguera, he calls me up. Now, he's in Tepeyapulco, Hidalgo. It's about 60, 70 miles from Mexico City, right? Quite a small town. Um, the city right next to it is Ciudad Sagun, and uh, the Renault plant from Mexico is there, and just about everybody in that town works for Renault, right? But he calls me up, and he says, I want you to come and preach on Pentecost Sunday morning. And so we make the agreement, and I, I get there early that day and meet with the pastor, and we walk into the service, right? Now, they had a set of pews on this side, about as wide as these right here, and a, just a little farther back than the first section, and then an equal set on the other side. There's a, uh, an aisle here, an aisle in the middle, and an aisle over on the other side, all right? And we walk in, and I got to explain this church to you, all right? They, they were, I would actually call them hyper Pentecostal, right? The church is purple. It's painted purple on the outside, and it's got white tongues of fire that go all the way around. Merle, wave at everybody. Just said, Merle's been to this church with me, all right? So he's my, he's my witness. Now, in this church, all women sit on the right side, right? And all the men sit on the left side, and never in church do they cross the line, all right? So women here, men here. And in addition, women have to have a head covering on. It talks about this in 1 Corinthians, all right? And for them, it was a sign of submission. Now, by the way, you don't need to wear a head covering. It says that your hair is given to you as a covering. But in this culture, they would wear something on their head, and it meant they were in submission. I, I was preaching in a village one time, and after the service, we went to one of the elders' houses to eat some beans and drink cafe con leche, Right? And I don't know what the elder did, but his wife was ticked. Right? And she came over. I was, sitting, I was sitting in a chair. He was standing right next to me, and I will never forget this. She takes her head covering. She throws it down. She stomps on it, and she takes off at him in Odemy. Okay? 
She reached down, picked it up, walked over, put it back on, went to the corner. She prayed. I'm like you. I was having a hard time not laughing. But, but you understand what it was. To them, it was a sign I'm in submission. Okay. And then the other thing was, again, this is, this is over 35 years ago. Right? And it's in rural Mexico. And women always wore some sort of a dress. It was really worldly to wear pants. And so there's a sign outside the church that says no women in pants allowed. Right? So you got the picture. Women here, men here, head coverings, no pants, right? Place is packed, right? And I notice the back door. I'm, I'm up on the platform with the pastors and the elders. And, and I notice the back door opens and a guy comes in. And he makes his way probably two-thirds of the way down and he squeezes in, right? But about 10 feet behind him, there's a woman. And she follows him and she squeezes right next to him on the men's side. So immediately I know this is a sinner woman. She sits on the wrong side. She doesn't have a head covering on and she's wearing pants and she's in church. And she no more than sat down. She had not sat down 10 seconds and I'm watching. And she just begins to weep, just bawling. Well, I didn't know what was going on until after the service when I talked to her. And this is what she said. She says, I'm a hairdresser. She says, and I got up this morning. I was on my way to work. She says, I was waiting at the bus stop. And she says, I don't know what happened. She says, but something just came over me. And I just started to weep. And I just said, God, my family is a mess. My life is a mess. And God, I need you to do something. God, just help me. Help me. She's praying this at the bus stop, and she opens her eyes, and there's a man standing in front of her, back towards her, and underneath his arm, he's got a black book that says Santa Biblia, Holy Bible. She opens her eyes, and she sees that, and she just said in her heart, she said, I'm going with him. I'm missing work today. I'm just going to follow him. So he flags down a bus. She hops on a bus with him, sits right next to him. They go 10, 12 blocks. He pulls the cord. Bus stops. He gets off, she gets off, he walks through the back doors of the church, I saw him come in, I saw her follow, she came right in. So I preach the upper room service, the baptism of the Holy Spirit service. And remember, this is a super Pentecostal church. And so at the close of the service, now, and I, I'm sure I preached for an hour, it may have been an hour and a half because they like long services, right? <clears throat> and, and, and then I said, if you would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I said, please come forward. And I figured, you know, 10, 12 people is going to be a landslide. But when I said that, it was like I closed my eyes and they jumped. I mean, like instantly, woof. There's 120, 150 people in the altar. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And that lady, the sinner with pants, she is right there. She is right there. All right. Now, I know she's not saved. I told you why. And you can't receive the Holy Spirit if you're not saved. You'll blow up. Something will happen because you cannot receive if you're not saved. All right? In fact, Jesus said those who believe in him should receive. All right? It's not for those who don't believe. All right? She hasn't received yet. So, crafty fellow I am, I just lead everybody in the sinner's prayer. 
She prays the sinner's prayer. Everybody prays the sinner's prayer. And then I lead them in a prayer to receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Luke 11, everyone that asks receives. I had them ask. And then I came down over here. I came to the women's side. And I sent the pastors and the elders over to the other side. I said, why did you go to this side? Because, listen, women are normally more spiritual than men. And they receive easier. And I had already been preaching. I wasn't looking for hard work. All right. <laughs> so it's true. I was kind of cheating, but I'm just confessing to you, all right? So, so I come to the first lady, all right? And I said to her, I, I said, I'm going to lay hands on you, and the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. I said, and if you sense an urge, an impression to speak, you just speak those words out. And she shakes her head. And so I say, receive the Holy Spirit. I laid hands on her. Instantly, the Holy Spirit came on her. Both her hands shot up in the air. As God is my witness, she begins to speak in tongues as loud as she can. And when she did, instantly, everybody else in the church jumped to their feet, threw their hands in the air, and started speaking in tongues as loud as they could. It sounded like Niagara Falls. Right? Now, I'm not recommending this. I'm just telling you what happened. This is just a report. All right? So I go to the next lady, and I go, I'm going to lay hands on you. I mean, I am yelling. All right? I lay hands on you. I go, I'm going to lay hands on you. Holy Ghost is going to come on you. And I go, they lay hands on I go to the next one, the next one, the next one. And I've been preaching, and now I'm yelling, and I'm thirsty. So I go up here, and, and this is the biggest, this is like this, pap, this, this uh, podium is like 12 foot across, and three foot back, three foot back, glass of water here. So I get that glass of water. I'm drinking, and I'm looking, making sure everything's going fine. And one of the elders comes up. Now, he's been an elder in the church for 30 years, and he's crying. And he said to me, he said, I'm laying hands on people, and they're receiving the Holy Spirit. I said, good, get back down there. <laughs> and he said, you don't understand. He said, I've been in this church for 30 years, and I've never received the Holy Spirit. He said, but I'm laying hands on people, and they're receiving. Well, that's a sure sign that he's not the baptizer in the Holy Ghost, that it's Jesus that's the baptizer, right? But I understood immediately what the situation was. He didn't realize that it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. He thought you had to earn the Holy Spirit. And so he kept on trying to earn and earn. People sometimes call it tarrying for the Holy Spirit. And I said to him, I've got a word for you. I said, you're going to receive right now. And, and he thought like maybe God spoke to me, but I just had a word from Luke 11 that everyone that asks receives. That was my word. All right? So I went over to him and I said, no, I lay hands on you. You're going to receive instantly. He said, really? I said, oh, yeah. He said, all right. And I just said, receive the Holy Spirit. I didn't even touch him. Boom. Just begins to speak in a beautiful heavenly language. All right? Now, this lady down here, you remember her? No pants. I mean, pants. She had pants. No pants. No dress. No dress. She got pants. She got pants. Right? She got no dress. No head covering. Sits on the wrong side. All right? She received, the, she received the Holy Spirit three minutes after she got saved. He waited 30 years. She realized the Holy Spirit is a gift. And I, I just got to thinking about this during this service. I didn't mention it in any of the others. But 10 years later, we went down and we were preaching in that church. She came up and she said, I just want to tell you what happened. you remember that Pentecost Sunday? I said, yes, I do. She said, my whole family got saved, followed me in. And she said, and my son is a pastor now. 
I went, wow. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But here's what I want you to understand, right? You don't become super spiritual and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just like you don't become super spiritual and get saved. Salvation is a gift and the Holy Spirit is a gift. Paul said this. He said, I speak with tongues more than you all. He said, it's a blessing in my life. And I can tell you, it's a blessing in my life. It's one I want for every one of you. It will be a blessing. It will edify you. You'll become stronger spiritually. It'll enable you to pray in ways you don't know. How many of you know sometimes you see somebody and you know something's not right and you go, God bless them. How many of you know you could do better than that? You, know, you begin to pray in tongues. You're praying the will of God by the Holy Spirit about that situation. Right? It can be a tremendous, tremendous blessing in the life of every believer. Who's it for? To as many as are afar off. The truth of the gospel was delivered once for all. Once for all. It's for you today. All right, would you please stand? But if, you've, if you, you, you're here and you say, I would like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I have not received, and I'd like to receive, I want to invite you, slip out of your pew, make your way down here, whether you're in the balcony, whether you're down on the main floor, please come quickly. But if you say, I want to receive today, just make your way down. We're going to pray a simple prayer. We're going to lay hands on you, and the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And this really is life-changing for us as believers, just like it was life-changing for Peter. In Peter's life, he turned from somebody who denied the Lord to somebody who was standing up, somebody who was preaching a sermon. There was power in his life to be a witness power in his life to fulfill the call that God had placed upon his life. And the same thing is going to happen for you. Again, if you're in the balcony, please make your way down. And this is going to be, this, this, this is going to change, change your life. It's something that God wants for every single believer, every believer. Back in the Old Testament, Moses called out 70 elders they were going to receive the spirit that was on Moses. Two of them stayed in the camp. The Holy Spirit fell on them and they were prophesying and the two in the camp were prophesying and Joshua ran up and said, Moses, Moses, there's people prophesying in the camp. And he thought Moses would be upset. This is what Moses said. Oh, that God's spirit was on every one of his people, on everyone. And that's God's will for every single one of us. Now, if you come forward, I want you to lift your hands. I want you to repeat this simple prayer. You say, Heavenly Father, Jesus said the Holy Spirit is a good gift. And I ask you today to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that everyone that asks receives. And I thank you that his hands are laid on me today. I will receive in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.